Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. And as we continue today in our series, uh, I'd pose the question, what are you praying for? And I want to dig into one of the prayers that Paul prays for the church in Ephesus from Ephesians 1 and 15. For this very reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed, to, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul begins this passage with these words, for this very reason which means we've got to back up a little bit and find out the reason. And the reason is way back in verse 3, and it's a great verse, where Paul says, We have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Can I tell you this this morning? In Christ you have everything you need. You lack nothing. Can I hear an amen? amen? There is nothing that you need spiritually that God does not give to you in Christ Jesus. In Jesus, you have every single thing that you need to be the kind of person that God wants you to be. Then from verse 4 to verse 15, he describes in detail what some of those blessings are. And again, where we started for this very reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And again, the question I'm posing today, what are you praying for? What am I praying for? What are we praying for? It's always really, really healthy to ask What's the nature of my prayer life? I mean, how do I pray? Is my prayer life some kind of shopping list? And the only time I go into prayer is to express to God my needs and my wants and my ambitions, the things that I think will make my life a bit, a bit more comfortable and convenient. Uh, an author called John Stott, said, if you want to know where a Christian is really at in their spiritual journey, listen to them praying. And that's a scary thought. The Apostle Paul is really, really committed to be a man of prayer. We've got a great record of his prayer life. 
As you read through Paul's letters, 22 times he prays for those that he is writing to. And then on another nine occasions, he gives instruction as to how and why we pray. So even in the pages of God's Word, we have a great opportunity to study the prayer life of Paul. And as we look at this particular prayer, it's interesting that it actually follows Paul's words in Ephesians 1 and 3. We've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. We have every spiritual blessing. Now, if we have every spiritual blessing, then surely that actually makes our prayer life a lot easier. We just thank God that he's given us every spiritual blessing. You've given us everything we need, so I don't need anything else. Amen. There's my prayer life done. But Paul doesn't leave it there. He goes on to say, for this very reason, since you have every spiritual blessing, for this very reason, these are the things that I am praying for you. And he tells us what he is praying for. And it's really interesting. He is not praying that they would receive something because he's just told them they already have everything they need. He's actually praying for them that they may know something. And then there's four things that he prays in 2 verses 17 to 19. Number one, that you might know him better, speaking of Jesus. So Paul's saying, you've got every spiritual blessing in Christ. You've got everything you need. So here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that you would actually know Jesus better Because as you get to know Jesus better, you will discover every blessing that you have in Him. Then the second thing he says, that you might know the hope to which He has called you. And hope in this context is about perspective. Paul is saying, I am praying that you would have a perspective in life that actually extends beyond yourself extends beyond your circumstances and extends into the heavenly realms and to the things of eternal life. The third thing he says is that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And we'll unpack what that means. And then number four, that you might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, I'm not going to tackle all those today. I'm going to tackle the first one and the next three I'll tackle next week. Now, here's what's really important about Paul's prayer. Paul is actually praying not for their wants and needs and dreams and ambitions, not that God will give you what you want. He is actually praying God's agenda into their lives. What do I mean by that? Well, he's not saying, hey, put your hand up if you've got a prayer request and we all put our hands up. Well, Paul, I've got a painter coming to paint the house tomorrow and I really hope, number one, the weather's good and number two, he does a good job. Nothing wrong with that prayer. No, Paul says, I'm praying from a different perspective. I am praying the agenda of God to be fulfilled in your life. I'm praying, listen to this, for things that only God himself can do for you and only things that God himself can do in and through you. 
And he says, I'm praying that you would know Jesus better. Friends, knowing Christ better comes by divine revelation. The second thing, knowing the hope to which you were called comes by divine revelation. Knowing the inheritance that he has in you, the inheritance of the saints, that is something that you only know as God reveals it to you. Knowing his power, that is something you only discover as you see God working in your life. I cannot give these things to you as a pastor. The church can't give you these things. Programs don't give us those things. Only God himself can, can sow the seeds of his agenda into your life. And friends, as you examine these wonderful prayers of Paul, his prayers always put us in a position where I am asking things of God that are impossible except for God. And they're bold prayers of faith. And that prompts a really important question about my prayer life. What is it that we are looking for in prayer that only God can give? And we've got to examine our prayer life and, and ask ourselves a very sobering question. Is my prayer life about my agenda or is my prayer life about God's agenda? Is it about God's purpose for my life? Or is it about my wants and my dreams and my ambitions? Because our prayer life can simply become a shopping list of God. Give me this. Give me that. I'd like some of that. Give me some more of that. I'd like something else of that in Jesus' name. Oh, and I forgot that as well. Please give me that too. And our praying can become like that. So here's a question. What is it that causes you to pray? Because some of us only go to prayer when we actually get stuck. We only go to prayer when I've got a problem. And we say, God, get me out of this. Or God, I need something. Please give me that. And we pray emergency prayers or we pray reactive prayers. And I'm not saying those prayers aren't important. We are to pray about all things. But what is our primary motivation for praying? Is it that God would move sovereignly in my life to bring about His purpose? Or is it that God would make my life a little bit easier? Friends, as we grow and mature as disciples of Jesus, as we grow and mature in faith, our, our prayer life has got to be maturing as well. And I think the more mature we become in Christ, the less it becomes about us and the more it becomes about Him. And then that should then be reflected in the way that we pray and our motivation for praying. So today and next time, we're going to look at these things that Paul prays. Ephesians 1 and 17 again. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. And that's the first thing. That's all we're going to look at today. That you may know Him better. He's, he's, he's said from the outset, you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. You have everything you need. And the only way we discover the things that we have in Jesus is by getting to know Jesus better. 
And I hope that if you've been coming to this church for any length of time, you know that what we celebrate and gather to acknowledge in this place is not religious doctrine, even though doctrine is important. It's not ticking all the right boxes. What we come to celebrate is the fact that God in Christ Jesus has made a way possible for you and I to live every moment of every day in relationship with the God who created us. What a wonderful privilege. And at the heart of our Christian life is a relationship with Jesus. And it should be a growing relationship with Jesus. And at the core of relationship is getting to know one another. And it's interesting because Jesus gives a definition of what eternal life is in John 17 and 3. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So he's, he's praying, he's saying, Father, this is eternal life, that they might know you, that they might know me. 2 Peter 1 and, uh, 2 Peter 1 and 3, this is Peter saying His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge, through our knowing of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. And right there, Peter is echoing Paul's words. We've got every spiritual blessing, but you have to understand what those blessings are and the way that you understand that is by getting to know Him better. And I think we've become a little bit too flippant and familiar with the, with the uh, phrase, a relationship with Jesus. We talk about it all the time and it's true and it's right. But I, I fear it's become so much a part of our Christian language that it's lost a little bit of its depth of meaning. Because I'm certain we would be totally surprised about how many people who call themselves Christians in the church today actually don't really have a relationship with Jesus at all. They may be a Christian, they might tick all the right boxes, but do they actually have a real and personal relationship with Jesus? A relationship where you are investing what it takes in a deepening of your faith and a getting to know Jesus. Can you imagine a married couple and it's their wedding day? And uh, they've just had this ceremony and they've had the photographs and the photographs took a lot longer than they always do. And uh, they're sitting down at the reception and the groom's there looking at his watch, looking at his bride and he's going, oh, man, those photos took way too long. I didn't think it was going to take this long. Um, I promised the boys that we'd go to a movie tonight. So I'm going to have to duck out in a second. And he heads off to the movies with his... You've got to have a big imagination for this one. Heads off to the movies with his friends. And then they go out for a, you know, a hamburger after the movie. And then he, he gets home and uh, he's downstairs in the kitchen and he makes himself a, a cup of coffee and he's sitting there. I think that was a really, really good movie. Uh, oh, and I got married today. Oh, where's my wife? Oh, she'll be upstairs. And he goes upstairs and he climbs into bed next to her and says, oh, man, that was such a long day. My face is hurting still from smiling. And um, uh, look, I'm, I'm just wrecked tonight, so I'm just going to hit the hay. And I've got to be up really, really early for work in the morning. And I, I probably won't see you, but I'll, I'll kiss you goodbye and I'll be off to work. Now, again, takes some imagination. But if that was the routine of their life and you ran into that, couple three months later and you said how's your marriage going particularly if you were the wife you would probably say uh, it's dead and boring of course it is 
And whilst we can laugh about that scenario, sadly, it's how many of us treat God. We give him 30 seconds at the start of the day, 30 seconds at the end of the day. God, you know, bless everything I'm about to do today. Uh, bless the family. Uh, see you later. And then at the end of the day, we say, God, give me a good night's sleep tonight and uh, bless all the missionaries and save all the people that need saving. Amen. And that's the extent of our relationship with God. Now, if you met a Christian whose relationship with God uh, was on that basis and you said hey tell me about your relationship with God is it rewarding is it rich is it fulfilling is it personal they would have to say well no actually it's pretty boring of course it is a wedding and a marriage aren't the same thing a wedding is an event that takes place the day that you are married which husbands are supposed to remember every year 3rd of October. A wedding is an event, a lot of excitement, it's a big hurrah, it costs a lot of money, but a wedding is not the marriage, the marriage starts the next day. And the marriage is a lifelong getting to know each other and it takes time and the number one problem in struggling marriages today is often communication. And they don't spend nearly enough time just sitting down and talking. They spend very little time actually doing things that they enjoy together. And both of those things are vital for any relationship to develop in a healthy way. Because relationship is about getting to know each other. And as you get to know each other, your relationship is deepened. And now Paul says to the Ephesians, and to borrow from that analogy, he's saying, here's the wedding. Having believed, you will mark in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. So Paul says, you've had the wedding. You've got your ticket to heaven. You were saved. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. You are now in a relationship legally and technically. But my prayer is that now you will have a relationship that is growing every day and becoming deeper every day. That you will know the spiritual blessings you have in Christ because you know Jesus himself. So how do we get to know Jesus better how do we get to know God better well the Bible gives us some really important clues one of the most obvious ways that we get to know God better is actually through just observing his awesome creation Psalm 19 and 1 the heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. Friends, can I encourage you? We've got to get off our devices. Devices that are constantly telling us that the world is a confused, ugly and violent place. We've got to turn those things off and get out into the beauty of the excellence of God's creation. And just breathe it in to marvel at the handiwork of God. The creation that speaks of God. That it speaks of God's awesomeness. 
Friends, the world is beautiful. And as the psalmist reminds us, the mountains, the sea, the birds, the animals, all of creation declares the glory of the Lord. Can I take a cultural detour and encourage you? We've got to learn what it is to be bored again. We seem to think boredom is a terrible thing. Some people say, well, devices have actually cured boredom as if it's a good thing. Why does boredom need to be cured? Why do we see boredom as a bad thing? Because if our minds are constantly distracted, if our minds are constantly occupied scrolling on a phone, why is that a good thing? Because friends, boredom is the birthplace of creativity. Boredom is the birthplace of invention. Boredom is the birthplace of innovation. Boredom is the birthplace of vision. And what scares me of a digital generation is I wonder how many songs will never be written. How many pictures will never be painted? How many books will never be written? How many musical instruments will never be learned? How many projects in dad's shed will never be attempted? Because younger millennials and Gen Zers have been too preoccupied with the device to be inspired to do something creative. And here's a scarier thought. How many of this digital generation will miss hearing the call of God upon their lives because they never put a device down long enough to hear the voice of God, to linger in the presence of God long enough to learn to hear His voice? How many potential pastors and teachers and theologians and evangelists and missionaries and preachers and leaders has the kingdom of God lost because we've got a generation too distracted by voices that don't matter to actually have the time to learn to hear the one voice that does matter. Loved you guys. That's the end of the rant. So the Bible tells us we get to know God by observation. Go for a walk on the beach. Breathe in. The wonderful, awesome, creative power of God. The Bible also tells us we get to know God through meditation. That's a bit of a weird kind of new agey sounding thing. What do we meditate upon? Psalm 119.15. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And friends, one of the greatest ways that we get to know God, get to know Christ, is through His word. God simply reveals Himself to us through His word. And that is why we need to be familiar with God's word. We've got to get to know it. We've got to spend time in it. Some people say, well, you know, it's okay for you. You get paid to read the Bible. And let me tell you, it is a vocational perk that I get to spend extended time studying the Word of God every week. I love that about what I do. Some people think, well, you're in, you're in, you're in ministry And because you're in ministry, you read the Bible. Uh, maybe I'm in ministry because I read the Bible and because I listened to the voice of God and because I sensed the call of God and I stepped out in fearful obedience and God showed me something of his unfolding plan for my life. 
We've got to hunger after the Word of God. And I'll, I'll tell you this. If you're meditating regularly on the Word of God, something's got to come out. There will be fruit from that, whether you like it or not, because it is a supernatural transaction that is taking place. God's Word will always produce fruit. When the Word of God dwells in your heart, it will be a rich deposit that will bear fruit. Something will come from that. So we know God by observation. We know God by meditation. But in our passage today, Paul also says, I keep asking the Lord of our, uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. And so Paul says one of the ways that we get to know Jesus is through revelation. That is, you get to know God through the things that the Spirit of God reveals to your heart. And it's a wisdom, it's a revelation that you're not going to find anywhere else. You're not going to find it in social media. It's a supernatural thing. Its source is supernatural. It's a revelation that can only come from the Spirit of God. It is so much more than just our natural process of thinking. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 reminds us, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And friends, this is the activity of God's Holy Spirit in us. It is the Holy Spirit resonating within us. And one of the evidences when a person becomes a Christian is... The things of God just become alive. The Bible, which used to be a boring, dusty book that I've never read, suddenly it becomes alive and I find myself having an appetite for it. Because I discover this is actually a letter from God to me. And the Spirit of God will reveal that truth and unpack that truth and give you that revelation. Matthew 16, Jesus asks his disciples a question. Verse 15, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And Jesus is saying, Peter, you didn't work this out yourself. Neither did anybody else tell you. My father actually revealed this directly to you. And friends, we're going to be so very, very careful in this information age in which we live, where we have so much accessible to us in our pocket. So many sources of information, so many sources of knowledge. But the single most important thing that we can be doing is positioning ourselves to receive the revelation that only God can bring. And I don't care particularly what your favourite preachers on TikTok say it's all good but God I want to be hearing directly from you in that prayer clip that we showed earlier where God says I will I will tell you unsearchable things that you do not know a direct revelation from God nothing beats that and we've got to give God room to move because if we're constantly allowing ourselves to be bombarded with every bit of information, opinion and philosophy of the world, but you aren't stopping long enough to receive revelation from God, you haven't got to be terribly smart to work out what's going to be shaping your life and your mindset. 
And we've got to be, we've got to be so in tune and give God space to move that we might receive revelation from Him. But let me tell you one thing about revelation. It's only going to be consistent with the truth of God's Word. So if I say, God's given me revelation, we all need to turn up next week wearing purple robes. It's like, okay, chapter and verse. The revelation that God gives you, it will be consistent with His Word. The Spirit is never going to reveal anything that isn't in the Word of God anyway. The Spirit simply gives us the understanding of the truths that are in God's Word. So when Paul writes in Ephesians 1 and 3, we've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What is it then that I have in Christ? Well, to paraphrase Paul, he'd say, get to know Jesus better and you'll discover. Because if you don't spend time in prayer, if you don't spend time in the Word of God, if you don't spend time just allowing God to move and to speak and to give you revelation, you're never going to know what you actually have in Him. But the more we get to know Him, the more we will know what we have in Him. I'm going to invite the team to come back. So what are we praying for? Because sometimes we're actually praying for things that are unnecessary. Sometimes we find ourselves praying prayers, asking for things that we actually already have. Lord, please be with me today. That's a genuine prayer. Joshua 1 and 5, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life, as always with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you and forsake you. So when we wake up every morning and say, God, please be with me today, God's probably saying, I, I, I get what you're saying, but where do you think I've gone? And if we don't know Jesus, if we don't know every spiritual blessing we have in Christ, we can waste a lot of time praying for stuff that God says, you've already got it. God's already promised that He will be with us. So why do we pray that, God, you'll be with me today? Let's just thank God. I know you're with me. Because that's one of the promises that I have. That's one of the glorious riches that I know is a truth in my heart. God is with me. God, thank you that you're with me today. Friends, if we're familiar with the promises of God and what we have in Christ, it's going to save a lot of time. Often I hear people say, Lord, God, please pour out your Holy Spirit. That's a genuine prayer. It's, I get it. Acts 2 and 16, and this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. He's already promised it. Often hear people say, Lord, give me more of the Holy Spirit. Give me more of the Holy Spirit. And I understand the sentiment. But let me tell you, the moment you gave your heart to Christ, you got every bit of the Holy Spirit that you need. You have got all of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit needs is more of you. God, I give you free access. Holy Spirit, I have every spiritual blessing I need in Christ Jesus. I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in me. And what I've got to learn to do more and more every day is, Jesus, I give you access. I give you access. We say, God, I want more of you. God says, no, 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 no. you got all of me. I want more of you. Friends, we need to discover what we have in Jesus. 
That's what Paul's saying. So to summarize, Paul's saying, you got everything. You got every spiritual blessing you need to live according to the purposes of God for your life. But some of you don't seem to know what it is you have. So I'm praying you'll get to know Jesus better. Does that make sense? So I'll close with this question. Are you actively, deliberately, intentionally getting to know Jesus better? Because that's the prayer of Paul. If we don't know Jesus well enough, then we're going to get everything else wrong because we are to walk in relationship with Him. And the more you, the more you come to know Him, the more that you will discover the resources that you have in, in Him and you will stop begging and pleading for things that you actually already have. Does that make sense? Instead, you just start thanking Him, saying, God, You've given me everything that I need today and I'm going to live my life in total dependence upon You. And God, I lean into Your resources and I'm going to be asking in faith for things that only God can do, that only God can bring the breakthrough, that only God can bring the healing, only God can bring the provision, only God can bring the wisdom, only God can bring the revelation. Is that your prayer? I pray that increasingly it would be our prayer more and more. Amen. Father, I just want to thank You for Your Word. So filled with hope, so filled with promise. And I pray that we would be people who know the resources we have in Christ Jesus because we are making it our life's priority to get to know Him better. Father, forgive us for allowing so many other distractions to draw us from You. And I pray, God, that we would be disciplined Discipline to digging in to the things and doing the things that we know are going to cause us to draw closer to You. That we would be disciplined just to giving You time, giving You space to move. May we know You more by observation, just, just getting out of our regular zone and just getting to that place where we can just, just wait upon You, just, just, just bask in Your presence to marvel at Your creation. That we'd know You by observation, we'd know You by meditation, by meditating upon Your Word, that we would know You by revelation. God, speak to me. And Father, as we draw close to You, may we live with greater hope, greater faith, greater assurance, because we're getting to discover the resources that we have in and through Jesus. Every spiritual blessing. Thank you for that hope and promise. Make it real for us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.